0: This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders, I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Thank you so much for tuning in to what will be another incredible conversation on a very important leadership topic. Our show is growing faster and faster every single week, and I'm so grateful to the thousands of leaders all around the world who keep coming back every week and then go on and share the show with their colleagues and, and I love the DMs. The DMs are coming faster than they've ever come, and I want you to keep them coming because I love hearing what resonates with you so I can keep bringing those types of conversations forward. I love you asking for the specific topics, and today is going to be one of those days. Today, we're going to address a topic that we've never discussed, and the reason we're going to hit it is because you've asked for it, and that's why I'm really excited to welcome John Weiler to the show. John's the Director of Sales at Path Robotics. John's team help is helping lead the way on how artificial intelligence and how machine learning changes how people build things. John leads a team of enterprise salespeople and enterprise sales engineers, and they've scaled a company from zero to over 25 million in less than 24 months. Yes, I said that correctly. That fast growth in less than 24 months. And the success was not a happy accident. They didn't just work hard, cross their fingers, and hope they got there. John's an intentional leader that has helped found, grow, and lead sales teams of every size, from startups where they're chasing their first deals to large organizations where they're continuing to raise growth. And along the way, his teams have thrived, records have been set, and new standards for organizations have been achieved. And while his current gig is about creating capacity for organizations... John's success as a leader has been based in creating more capacity in his leadership role. And capacity is something every single leader should be intentional about. I think it's more important right now than it's ever been as we go through changing times. This topic of capacity is something we've never addressed on the show, but I do know it's something that you're excited about for us to discuss because you've asked for it more than once. And now you've got it. So buckle up because this is going to be a good one. Uh, John. Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. I'm excited to uh, be on today, and I'm excited to uh, share more with your audience.
0: It's going to be a good one. This is It's fun when we know we're talking about something that people are like, hey, this is what I want to hear about. And, and multiple times I'm hearing about capacity. In fact, as I look at the leaders that I work with, capacity is often a predictor of success as they grow. But we'll get into that in a second. I really want you to introduce yourself and and Path Robotics. you got 50,000 sales leaders out there all around the world listening to you. Why don't you tell us uh, what we need to know about Path and what you guys do for your customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Path Robotics is a, uh, like you had said, they are artificial intelligence, machine learning, computer vision, robotics company that's focused on industrial automation. So um, creating things across North America, Uh, there's a big labor shortage and it's impacting the world of manufacturing. This is not just in the U.S., but globally. And so we're using smart automation to help fill that gap. Um, and when I joined, we were pre-revenue, and now we're scaling up to our first 100 partners across North America. Um,
0: Congratulations. Let's go, man. Yeah,
1: let's go. All the way from mom and pop shops to publicly traded organizations. Wow.
0: That sounds sounds like an incredible ride. Uh, congrats on your success. And and clearly, you're meeting a really important need. Like I talk a lot about on the show, times of transition can be scary to people, but they also create opportunity. You guys are proving that for sure. Uh, yeah. Quick before we dive in, I, I always love to hear. Um, I, I still don't meet very many people that say when I was a kid I thought I would be in sales when I grew up. What what attracted you to sales? How'd you get into sales, and ultimately how that how'd that get you into the sales leadership world? Yeah, it's a great
1: uh, it's a great segue, and I think I didn't realize uh, that I did want to be in sales as a, as a young kid growing up. Uh, father was an engineer, mother was a dental hygienist. Um, and my brother went into finance. So it's not like anyone wow. in, in my direct immediate family had a, an impact on me. and like, let's go do sales. But my brother and I had a lawn care company. Before that, we had the lemonade stand. And like I was doing entrepreneurship without even realizing it. And sales is at the core of that. So talking to people, serving people, figuring out, problem solving, discovery. These were things that I just thought I was doing um, before I knew what the terms even meant. Um, and, but it really kind of took hold, my sales journey really took hold when I uh, put college on hold to pursue starting my own company. Um, wow. So I, I raised a seed round my senior year, and I've never looked back since. Uh, I hired a bunch of people to scale that organization, but I didn't hire any salespeople. I, I led all the sales efforts, and I absolutely love the, the idea of working in uh, sales and serving people.
0: Love your story. That's a really unique story, but you and me sometime we'll have to compare notes. I can relate to having the father who was an engineer. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 he always felt like he did something wrong having a son that ended up in sales uh, as a, <laughs> a Hewlett Packard engineer. So I can relate. Um, to
1: that. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. Relate. Well, thank you. I love your story. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to dive in. This time is going to go by fast because this is a really important concept that we're going to talk about. I think the best way to start is <clears throat> I work with a lot of sales leaders. I coach a lot. I have a community that has uh, 800 sales leaders that subscribe called Sales Leadership United. Mm-hmm. Um, every single sales leader I work with is asked to do a lot of things. The sales leadership job has a lot of expectations. But what I'm finding is it's really hard for us to expect leaders to fuel growth if they have no bandwidth or no capacity. So I'm starting to realize that capacity for a sales leader is one of the catalysts for success. It's not like a oh, by the way, we're intentional about lots of things, but I don't know if we've been intentional enough about capacity because it is 100% a catalyst for success. And if we buy into the thing that there's no neutral or no accidental success stories, but we're all catalysts, this is something that it's important for us to, to talk about. And so I'm really excited to throw this to you. How do you look at capacity- as a sales leader, I'm not talking about capacity and like what sales are your capacity as a sales leader. How how do you look at that? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And it's a huge it's it's a big
1: topic to unpack. So I'm excited to unpack different core elements of it with you today. Uh, But capacity is that I mean, like you said, it's at the heart of so many different things. And you are right, a, a sales leader has to have capacity to be able to not only grow themselves, but grow the people around them. Um, I think you used the word potential earlier when you were referencing it. I I look at capacity and potential as synonymous. Uh, If you have the capacity to do something, then you have the potential. And if you're building that capacity, then you're living into that potential. Um, And so I think when I look at an organization and I look at capacity as a sales leader, I've got to make that first step, right? So I think when you look at a, a leader, not just a sales leader, uh, delineating between urgent and important is is a uh, core competency that you have to be able to do. The reason why I start with that is because how you understand where to prioritize the capacity that you have comes from delineating between that urgent and important. I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a sales leader. And it's gotten harder given the environment that we're in today.
0: Well, you just picked something, John, that I hadn't even thought we would talk about but now that you said it I feel like a jackass that I didn't think of it um it it is I've always said that that sales leadership or leadership in general comes down to prioritization and how you create influence it's those two things it's what you prioritize and then it's how you choose to create influence and sadly we have a lot of old school people who still think it's as simple as carrot versus stick which that doesn't <laughs> work anymore um but this idea of how you prioritize, Let me tell you what I see. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. I I think that prioritization is a really important concept. And I think we do a really good job of that for reps. Like we work hard to say, Hey, Hey reps, here's what good looks like in a day, or here's what good looks like and how you prepare for a call, or here's what good looks like and how you follow up. We, We work hard as leaders to say, here's what good looks like, but I don't know that we do the same thing in terms of a leadership cadence. Like What's our leadership cadence look like? What are the things we should be intentional about as leaders? I, I It's funny that you said that because I'm, I'm having conversations with so many. It's one of the things people get excited about it is I say, you want to like spend some time building some intentionality around your cadence. And I think that's what you're saying is what you choose to prioritize is what you'll end up doing. And if you can just be intentional about that, you can be more able to say, I have things I can take on. Am, am I saying that right or am I going too far? No, you're saying it right. You're 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 hitting on some core elements there. I
1: mean, I think with capacity in general, right? And the reason why I said this this year is different than some of the years past is a lot of sales leaders and a lot of organizations are being asked to do more with less. Uh, budgets mm. are being cut, headcounts are being cut, so capacity uh is really it really shows during times of adversity uh when the gravy trains humming along and everything's great and you're you know able to scale and you've got all this rocket fuel from vcs and metrics matter less and it's grow at all costs uh capacity building can be a lot more fun and a lot less strategic Uh, not that it's ever not fun but you know in the environment we're in today i think that's kind of one of the core themes and so when you drill that back into capacity one of the first things you have to do as a sales leader is you have to prioritize because you, you only have so much influence to spread around, to use your, your words. And I completely agree with, with how you look at sales leadership um, and those two core competencies. But how you choose to spend your time, who you spend your time with, what activities consume that time, uh, that's going to dictate the capacity that you're building for yourself and your team in, in the near term.
0: All right. I'm taking notes. I'm being quiet. The people that will see the video on sales leadership United, they always see me looking down. I get people teasing me because they say, Rob, all i ever see is the top of your head on those videos. (laughs) Um, I'm already a half page deep in this, this, this concept of prioritization I think is, is a big deal. It's, it does create capacity, but I like separating out prioritization first. Like what do you prioritize as a leader? I think that's a really important conversation because that goes to role, obviously. And like we have so many things we're asked to do. One of the things that I have heard very recently, and this has nothing to do with capacity as I thought, but it does, as you've said it. I've had a lot of people saying, Rob, I can't do one-on-ones the way I want to because I just don't have time. I I can't do tailored one-on-ones. And so I'm falling back to just the numbers again. I'm doing spreadsheet leadership um, rather than like really tailored, you you know, individualized yep. one-on-ones because I don't have time. And all I could think of when I hear that is like, that means you're prioritizing things more than the development of your people. And, um, and so when I hear people say, I don't have time for something, I always say, let's start by saying, I, instead of saying, I don't have time for that, say, it's not a priority right now. And when people say that, they often don't like how that sounds. Yep, That's one of my ways of evaluating priorities. What would you suggest? we got a whole bunch of leaders here. So this concept of prioritization will get a lot of heads nodding. Any tips on how you do that? That was one of my suggestions is yeah. change I don't have time to. It's not a priority. Any tips you have on how to help prioritize and make sure that, I love that urgency versus um, importance yeah. uh, concept. It, Any it, tips?
1: It, yeah, I mean, it's so well, I, would, I would start by saying, I think the job as, as a sales leader, your, your first and foremost job is capacity building for those around you. It's elevating yeah. the people around you. So I would just double down on people saying that they don't have time for one-on-ones, uh, maybe reflect on, are you, do you have the capacity to be a leader at that point in time in your career? And I'll, and I'll get vulnerable here with, you know, I was a, a VP at a family run business two, two roles before this one had the title was in my twenties, um, was making great money. I truly didn't live into the capacity or the potential of the character. And and I've talked to the people at this organization. They're friends of mine. Um, I was not being the leader that I actually needed to be because I was choosing to prioritize my own development over the development of those around me. And when you said that one-on-one piece, it really stuck out to me because I've lived through that. Um, Now, being on the other side of that in the role that I'm in with PATH and the reason why we've been so successful is because you've you've let go of that the, the only way i'm successful at, at leading people is if they're growing and the one thing that i've found is that if you focus on everyone else around you you end up growing yourself more than if you were to just focus inward every time i have a one-on-one i typically come out of those incited by the person on the ground floor that's in the trenches bringing bringing things to me about what they're experiencing yes i can coach them because i have some experience and i've been through a lot of different scenarios but they're bringing new things to me and they're they're building my own capacity as a sales leader so the more you fill up that person's cup i think the more your cup gets filled um but tips for you know prioritizing time things that i typically think through rob is what are the goals of the company both near term and uh Long term, long term. Um, The OKRs at any organization, whether you're public or VC backed, are going to change based on the environment and the goals and a few other factors. Are are you are you aligning your time and your priorities with uh, activities that support those OKRs? That's one of the very first checks that, that I'll look at. Um, and then secondly, I'll look at at an individual level, how are each of my people learning? Where are they on like, you know, when I hire someone, I'm looking at their potential or their capacity to live into that role, but the 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 next role as well. And that's Love where you, that's where you get that coaching from and that's where you get to understand what do I need to prioritize with each individual person on my team because, if you send someone out a generic message over Slack and it's a coaching message, one of the things that I've realized is you've got eight different, say, eight account executives. They're all going to interpret that coaching a little bit differently, and they're going to walk away with it a little bit differently. And you really don't truly understand until you get intimate with them how far along and where they are in understanding that coaching. So generalized coaching sometimes doesn't have the impact that specific individualized coaching does.
0: So this is really, really great what you just said. I I, I made a note here that I, I put a pin in, but I want to I hit it now while you're talking about it because I think it's exactly what you were speaking to. This I love how you got to the point where you got to have this intentional prioritization with each person. It's not just what do I prioritize for my team? I, I'm going to create priorities with each person because one of the hardest sales leadership jobs is how do you connect to the more senior people in ways that are different than the newer people, because people say, I don't know how to coach these senior people. I just want to stay out of their way. And that's been proven to be a mistake. Um, but here's, here's my question, not my question. Here's my, my thought that I want to get your, get your take on. You're talking about intentional prioritization rather than accidental prioritization. And, um, I think that anything we leave to accident when it comes to our role or our environment or our cadence. Accidental roles, accidental cultures, accidental cadences, accidental priorities almost always become average if you're lucky or will then slip to worse, could be bad or even worse than that, toxic. Whatever we're not intentional about will slip down to average at best, I think. And and so I love how you brought up this concept of intentional versus accidental. We can't be accidentally successful ever. I I love, I love how you were saying the only way I'm succeeding is if you're growing. Right. And so that could actually be the title of this whole episode when we're done. the only way I'm succeeding, if you're growing any, so like any thoughts around like being beware of the things you're allowed to let be accidental. Like I know we can't be intentional with everything, Uh But are there like, like a top three or four things you better not be accidental with?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, building capacity is one of them. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. But like uh, when I think through becoming the best version of myself, and so I, I think through that lens so I can serve the people around me. Um, so how do I how do I become and show up every day as the best version of myself? Uh, there's certain routines or rituals however you want to call these things. You don't want to be accidental with those. Right. So like if I mm-hmm. if I go to the gym or like, you know, if I have a Celsius in the morning, something me and you were talking about. Let's there's, go. There's these morning rituals. Right. That you have that get you fired up and they get you into a great mindset and they get a great flow um, to be able to serve the people around you. And so like you don't want to be accidental about some of those things. In, in my opinion, um, when it comes to the actual reps. Uh, I think there's things that there's core fundamentals in sales and in leadership that you want to be deliberate with. And they're not always the most sexy, the most exciting. They're not the things that you're going to see about flooded on your LinkedIn feed because they might not be sensational. Um, But they are things like prospecting. They are things like having conversations, gaining insights, delivering insights to executives. There's very deliberate things that you can do. Every day with yourself, your team, and the people that you're serving um, that are going to have a a compounding effect, regardless of the time period you're in that you're selling into, regardless of budget cuts. Um, They'll transcend all of those things. I think those are the things that sometimes we stumble back into accidentally. Like you'll sign up for a training and maybe it'll be like a six week accelerator, and one of the things will be cold calling, and you leave that week, and all the reps are like, holy crap, like this was the best week. And it's like, we accidentally got there, but we were focused deliberately for a week on that specific task and the outcome was huge. So I think what I'm trying to say is you have to decide where you are, where your sales team is, um, what those goals are, and then you tie deliberate actions to those. Um, They're going to be different for every group. But I think like the 80-20 rule falls in here is you got to decide for yourself what's like the 80% of the things that are important. Uh, or the 20%, and you want to be deliberate with that. Because to your point, you can't be deliberate with every everything. There are going to be things that you that you accidentally grow into. Um, you just want to make sure you nail that, that core
0: competency. I love that you said that, John, and this was not something that we, like in our prep work, that we <laughs> thought we would even get to. Uh, everyone, like uh, every sales leader here knows, like 80% of my business comes from 20% of my customers, or 80% of my my revenue comes from my top 20 reps or whatever it is. But when I talk about this Pareto principle, this 80-20 rule, and I say, what are the 80% of your act success? What are the 20% of your activities that gets you 80% of your leadership success? You know, what are those activities that lead to your definition of success? Very few people have actually gone through that. And what we're talking about is like three or four activities that we want to say, those are the things, I love how you say, you got to nail it. Those are the things you don't want to be good at. Those are the things you want to be great at. Those are the things that you want to be elite at. And you should not let anything get in the way of those things. And so just coming through and doing an 80-20 exercise on yourself, like let's pretend that you have three roles. I, I think the three roles of a leader is number one, development of people. Number two, create an environment where people can thrive. And then number three, accomplishment of the company goals. Development, environment, accomplishment. What are your three or four activities that lead to success and development? What are your three or four activities that lead to success in environment? What are your three or four activities that lead to success in accomplishment? And if you nail those and you keep those front first and foremost, those activities may change a little as times change, yep. but your success will not change, right? It'll only grow. Correct.
1: Yeah, and I think you I think you did a great job of summarizing there. like uh, you should have some directional guiding principles, I would say, as a leader, as a sales leader, um, that are guiding you throughout different time periods, different sales um, cycles, different people on your team, different walks of life. You, you made a comment earlier that really stood out as um, top performers, right? Something I hear often, and it's it's easy to fall into this trap. This is something you can accidentally fall into that I would say probably sales leaders listening to this are, are probably shaking their heads, saying, yeah, I've fallen into that. Were you in a one-on-one, you have high performers that are crushing their quota and you don't have a lot of coaching. You don't have a lot of deliberate, intentional activities to work through with them. And over time, they feel like they're getting less and less support because most sales leaders gravitate towards how do I get the bottom to the middle and the middle to the top? And then they don't have a lot of capacity left in the tank to go, how do I get the top even higher? Um, And it's something where it's a challenge to be able to do that. But if you have those guiding principles it shouldn't matter. You should be able to go in and talk to an elite performer and say, how are you pushing the boundaries here, here, and here? Um, you're obviously crushing it here, but what are, what are you not doing? You know, something that I'll, I'll ask top performers is like, where do you want to go from here? What, what does that ceiling look like? Like, and I need, I'm trying to understand how self-aware are they? And then I'm also trying to understand like, where do they think they, they are in the spectrum of their career to, to your point about what's the 20% that makes you a better leader, Um, that's the same questions that I'm asking my reps because the way that I think about uh, my own journey into sales leadership is I needed to master how to be a salesperson at the individual contributor level before I could really help elevate those around me. And so I talk to my teammates and I talk to my reps that I'm managing as if they're going to be sales leaders one day because I believe that if they can grasp the things that elevate others, then it's just going to make them a better individual contributor.
0: All right. So I can't believe we're, we've already burned 20 minutes of our time. We got half of our episode left. Okay. Um, This has been really cool, really fun. I like this. I want to hit a couple of what might seem as obvious things. Like the prioritization thing, as I look at it, it's like, no duh, of course, you gave some great insights with that. Prioritization should always come from role. We should always be intentional with that. I love that. We could end up doing a a comeback show six months from now just on that. Okay. But I want to talk about some of the other things because there's probably some things that I I always think that like the Occam's razor, the the simplest solutions are always the best solutions. Um, Sometimes if we can just do some of the obvious things better, we can create capacity or or success. I think maybe I'm wrong. Let me start throwing out a couple of obvious things and maybe you've got an obvious one that you want to, you want to go to, but I'm thinking about a combination sometimes just to create capacity. Capacity means I'm going to be able to say yes to some things to do that. We're going to have to say no to some things. And that means we're either going to say no, not me, meaning delegate or no, not now, meaning nobody. Like, is there any thoughts around like getting intentional and good about that? Cause I think sometimes, we have a hard time saying no is is that is there truth to that
1: yeah there's absolutely truth to that i think you know as as humans and then as leaders uh you naturally want to continue to especially like for someone like myself who you know you had described uh earlier some, some like old leadership mentalities and how those are changing i have to as as what i would consider someone on the younger end of the spectrum of my career in a sales leadership position have the capacity to take feedback from people that are more mature in their career and might have different viewpoints on sales leadership. And for a moment, just say, hey, that that feedback's probably true or is it true before I respond to it? Um, So having the emotional intelligence to take feedback and ask yourself some reflective questions before you respond, um, but also being able to um, open up your mind to What what do you need to say yes and no to to support the organization and your team and then yourself? And in that order, that's typically the order that we're always talking through as a leadership team, as well as people in the leadership community that I network with is how do I support the organization? How do I support my team? And then how do I support myself? And so the very first basic litmus test that I'm going to use is how am I spending my time Uh, about once a month or once a quarter, depending on my schedule and bandwidth, I'll do a time audit where I'm looking at the activities for the week or for the month or for the quarter? How did those line up with the goals? How did they line up with the results? What things do I need to shift off to be able to open up time? Because you're right. I mean, you, you will fill time on your calendar. And that's where to hit, hit on what we talked about earlier, accidental meetings. Accidental things can creep onto your calendar if you're not deliberate and intentional with your time. Um, so having the capacity to say no to things, it is a challenge because you naturally want to say yes to things. You naturally want to have some, some leverage or some, some control maybe in some topics that might be of interest to you within an organization. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something. Uh, before I put college on hold, I was studying economics. So the opportunity cost is always something that stands out in my mind. Every time I'm saying yes to something, what am I, what's the opportunity cost that I just said no to? Um, and that's that's
0: one lens that I think through. So oh, I really like the time audit. I want to sit in that for a couple more minutes because I have found that as I work with sales leaders, time is our most precious resource. It's not one that we often go and we look at strategically, like you said. We, we, we may reflect on it sometimes, but I don't know that we're as strategic about it as we could be. And I have found like you, when people do do that, they almost always, I'm trying to think if ever has it. I think hundred percent of the time people say, well, wow, it was super insightful. Like it made me realize some things. Um, any, any advice that you might give? Cause I bet we have a lot of people listening yeah. that like oh. the idea of a time audit, probably <laughs> haven't done it. Um, how do you do that? Like, what's the frequency? Is there some lenses that you would suggest? Because if we have all these people start doing time audits, I think that they would start prioritizing differently. And then as a result, have more capacity, right?
1: Yeah, well, I'll start with, I've never done one of these exercises and come out and been like, yeah, you're spending your time the best way that you could. (laughs) So there's always going to be room for improvement, no matter what. The simplest way, and I agree with the Occam's razor, the simplest way is the best way. Um, And, you know, having fathers as engineers and uh, working in an engineering org right now, sometimes we tend to overcomplicate. It's very easy to make things overcomplicated, harder to make them. We've lived through that. But uh, I think if you just pull up your calendar, um, most ways that I've seen people start looking at their calendars is they don't color code things. Um, mm. I think even in one of your episodes that I was listening to, uh, I heard this where they're color coding customer meetings and the CEO of that organization was saying, if I don't have enough greens on my counter a week, it tells me I need to get in front of more customers because I need to know what's going on and what my sales team's hearing. I thought that was awesome. Color, color coordinating things and then having those as labels and buckets is a very visual, quick way to look at a week or a month and say, am I doing enough of X? Am I filling this bucket up or not? And if not, I need to shift priorities to support the goals. Um, But when you look at the time audit, you can look at it and break it down. Like I'll typically break it down into team internal meetings, um, company internal meetings. I will look at one-on-ones. I'll look at the amount of time that I'm spending. And then we do do some weekly stand-ups where they're like playbook for success, where we're pulling reps in and we're showing what went right and what didn't. And then we're doing that on a weekly basis. So people can see what does that playbook for success look like? Um, And we talk about it as a group. It's almost like reviewing game tape. Um, And so we'll shift things around based on the season that we're in as a, as a revenue team. So, you know, 2021 was grow at all costs. It was, we had just gotten our series B, we had just gotten our series C we need to blow up the pipeline. Um, so you saw for the next six to eight months, a shift, a strategic shift on time spent on the top of the funnel, um, to, to, to build that up and then to be closing those deals the following quarter. So, uh, those are kind of some quick ways as I would say, color code. I look at my calendar as on a weekly basis, and I'll do this on a Sunday. I'll, I'll use the weekends. The nights and the weekends are huge opportunities to create distance. I see that the Kobe Bryant thing in the background there. I'm not sure if he said or not, but champions create distance on nights and weekends. I love that quote. Um, I think there's opportunities. Good one. Yeah. I mean, there's opportunities all over the place to look at how you're spending your time and make adjustments. Um, and I think it gets back to the capacity, a quick way to build capacity, use systems, use systems to build capacity. Cause you're not always going to have the willpower. You're not always going to have the discipline um, in the moment, but if you have a good system then you're going to always be able to have more capacity.
0: I just uh, am writing these down. I'm creating a capacity model based on what we're talking about. I can't wait to share it with you as we wrap this up. Yeah, <clears throat> you, 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 You're organizing this in a really nice way that I'm really excited about. So thank you for some thoughts on what you say no to. Any thoughts around the delegation side? Like can delegation be a way of helping develop people Is delegation something that people can be intentional about? Any thoughts around that? Because that's different than saying no can mean no, not now, or it could also mean no, not me. It can mean I'm going to give someone, I'm going to tap someone. Any thoughts? Because I think leaders, when they get good at using delegation, sometimes they're afraid of it. I remember when me, I remember the first time I was a vice president of sales a long time ago. Don't ask me to go back that far in time. (laughs) Okay, My very first VP of sales job, it was an up and coming company. I said yes to everything. Anytime something came up, not only did I say yes, when they asked me, I wanted to volunteer for everything because I wanted that CEO and I wanted those people to see me as someone looking to contribute. And and I knew I was a young VP of sales. And what that led to was such a loss, a lack of capacity that I sucked at things I should not have sucked at. And uh, so any thoughts on that delegation? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'll tie it into one of the things we talked about earlier. So personalizing one-on-ones, right? So if you are able to get intimate with your team to the point where you understand where they are in their uh, professional journey, uh, it is an opportunity to delegate. And what I mean by that is you're gonna understand at a deep level, what turns people on around you. And so as a sales leader, right? You're gonna have marketing activities, you're gonna have product activities, engineering activities, sales activities. Some of them you might think, yeah, I'm the person to lead this initiative and I'm the person to do this and spend my time here. Other things are going to turn people on, and they're going to be a motivating event when you delegate them to someone on your team, because you're going to understand as a sales leader, okay, this person has the potential to crush this. They've been asking me, maybe not directly, but indirectly for more opportunities like this. This makes more sense for this person to lean into this activity, grow this relationship within the organization if it's cross-department. Um, And it frees up some time for me to be able to work on X, Y, and Z, which when I think about my prioritization, it's more important. Um, So that's the way that I think about delegation is the deeper you get with your team, the better you're going to get at delegating things to those around you. Um, And also you have to be able to, you you know, I'm a director. I have a VP above me and then a CRO type C-suite position. People have different agendas with different priorities. They're delegating. And as you move up in the career ladder, one of the things I've realized is (laughs) your capacity, you you are asked to do a lot more based on title and role, um, but you don't have all of a sudden more time in the day. So you have to, as you grow up that career ladder, get better at delegating and better at time management. The reason why I say that is because the people above me Will be giving me activities and I sometimes have to push back you have to know in the moment of is this the best use of my time and and be able to have that direct conversation with them around why are you delegating this to me in the first place. Um, Is this what you want me and the team focused on, so I think there's some different angles on delegation but. If you can core of what I'm saying here is if you get to know your people really well, then you'll know when an opportunity comes up to delegate something that it's a growth opportunity. And now you're building capacity for that person and you're expanding on your own time as a sales leader.
0: I also think it sends a message to the people. It's a good thing when you're managing up for people to see that you have the ability to delegate it. Effective delegation will create capacity, but it also creates capacity in those people that you lead. You're helping them become better. So uh, I really like this. Um, I think that's, there's a lot of insight there. I, I, I want to go to another kind of what might seem obvious one. I, I, I like that we're, we're hitting these things. Mm-hmm. The next one that I'm thinking about as I as I look at our conversation is this intentional skill development. You touched on it on receiving feedback. Like one, so one way that we can create capacity is just say no to a few things, say yes to less things, only the right things. Another way is we can just get better at what we do. We can become better, more skilled, more, more adept. Um, I I think that say, I know what things I need to improve at. I know what things like are maybe taking, taking me too long. Like I think about one of the things I do that makes me laugh that I just thought of for some reason, my daughter and I sometimes like to watch these food competition shows. And, um, I watch how slow some people are in the prep side, like in the dicing and slicing and and like they fall behind, they're good at all these other things, but this part of like the prep stuff, they're too slow in how they chop the onion, for example. Okay. But if you could get better at that, you wouldn't fall behind. Any thoughts on taking charge of your own career development rather than waiting for people to shove that on you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that regardless of where you are in your career, um, you are in complete control of how you want to build that capacity. Uh, and it might not always feel that way. It might not always seem that way, but I can assure you that over time I've realized that, that there's, there's no one that's going to be more motivated and uh, more uh, excited about your potential than yourself. So you, you have to lead that charge. You, you have to be a part of wanting to build that capacity as a sales leader. It's something that I look for. I want to, when I'm hiring someone, I want to see someone who, wants to grow they have a tremendous drive and ambition to build their own capacity and so if i already see potential in that person and then i have that winning mindset now i know that i've got someone that i can push um and it and it gets into like you know i'm looking for the people that want to step up and i believe they can keep up as well um but when i think about building capacity and i think about skill sets i think about the fundamentals um because i think they're they're time tested and they're true and i think uh they're compounding. So the better you get at just communicating with people, the better you get at being able to have conversations with people. Um, it, you can call it discovery if you want. Asking really good questions. Um, in sales, I think we'll we'll label things like cold calling or sequences or data entry in a CRM. There's different ways that we can group different core activities of a salesperson, like an account executive or a sales engineer. Um, and I think working on those fundamentals is the is the best way to increase that skill set. Now, as a sales leader, I can go in and I can use tools like, for instance, we'll use Gong. Um, it's a great tool for me from a capacity building standpoint, because I can go and listen to individual reps calls and I can understand, OK, is this a talk track thing? Like, is this an actual skill set thing or is this a soft skill that they're not able to read the room? They're not understanding tone and pace. <laughs> Um, And then is it like tactical, I can get very tactical with like the words they use the way that they open the call end the call the middle of the call. So doing that at an individual level, you'll be able to understand where are these people on the skill spectrum? And what's the best way that I can help support them go from one skill to the next. And this is something that we do in our one on ones, Rob is I have, I have the people that are uh, directly reporting to me, they pick a skill. And for a month straight, they are every single week in their one-on-one, we're opening up with, what did you do to improve this skill? How are you getting better at this skill? Because it's not just like pulling up a dashboard and looking at metrics and OKRs, as fun as that is, and yes, that's often how comp is, is uh, figured out, but the soft skills and the, the, um, the sales EQ, those are things that are going to carry you well past a quarterly
0: quota. I'm telling you, I've seen a return to the metrics lately. I, I I found that as times have changed, this is the next kind of maybe, maybe this one's not a no-dub. Maybe this one's not quite as obvious. Times have changed. For some people, it reminds me of that movie from the 80s, the original Ghostbusters. There's a scene when they're finding their first ghost where they say, you know, there's this whatever apparition and it's real. What do we do? And then someone says... Someone needs to talk to it. So Bill Murray goes out there, he's like, where do you come from originally? She puts her finger up and she goes, shh. It's like a customer saying, you know, not interested or not now or whatever. And he goes back and he says what I think is important for every sales leader listening to you right now, uh, John. He says the usual things aren't working. And so most people, when the usual things aren't working, they return to the more button. They push more. Well, then we better do it more. If, if it's not working as well, we got to do it more. And I Mm. think that this takes me to the last thing I want us to like do as a something to be intentional about. How important is it for us to save capacity for us to figure out what to do when the usual things aren't working? And I'm talking about adaptiveness. How do we look for new things and be innovative? Because I don't think it's as simple as activity management. In fact, I think activity management alone right now, it will backfire because it has you doing 2018 or 2019 sales planning in the year 2023 when everything's different thoughts on that
1: yeah well first completely agree with directionally what you're saying i'm not a big fan of you know measuring metrics and measuring what matters i think can be sometimes different things um and i think you can use some metrics to maybe see things at scale um, again, gets back into some time management, but there there's always context and stories behind the numbers, and you can do like I've seen reps over the the uh, time that I've been in roles like this, where you can be doing a lot of the right activities and they not lead to the right results, and then you can have the the classical reps that you're constantly having an activity-based conversation when the results are really shining. And they're, you know, they're probably frustrated that you're even bringing up metrics. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is not a normal time period. And I don't know if normal is even the word to use. It's just different. It's constantly evolving. Um, you know, I've sold through now the, this pandemic. I've sold through this uh, macroeconomic uncertainty that we're dealing with. And in an enterprise world where uh, you're looking at a six or seven figure subscription, it's, it's not something that is just decided on a whim. There's six to eight stakeholders, CFOs, C suites very involved. They're they're doing a lot of planning around making a decision. And I think to pound like to continue doing the same thing over and over, you're gonna you're gonna push some of those customers away. We we often talk about at the top of the funnel, don't chase cats. Like if someone's giving you a sign of that that they're not interested or now's not the right time, don't push harder, don't chase harder, actually pull back. Um, and the more that you pull back, you'll probably be different because most salespeople are chasing. Um, yep. so they're they're gonna be interested in pulling. Why are you pulling back? um and and the other thing too is like just being different right now is gonna help you stand out and cut through a lot of the noise. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on right now in the world of AI and sales, and there's a whole bunch of things you can see on LinkedIn about do this, do that, best practices. Um, and I would be a more contrarian approach in today's day and age is that if everyone's doing something, I would, I would want to be going the other direction. Um, we found that to really work out. Uh,
0: and I Dude. think, like yeah, go ahead. No, I love it. What I was saying is, here's what I found of the, the best leaders that I've seen the, the elite ones take you through all kinds of times, the good times, the bad times, the transitionary times, man. I mean, like I said, I'm the senior citizen. I I took a I took a financial services team through the that great recession of 2007 2008. I, I was in the wrong business, but we did we we had we hit every goal. We didn't miss a goal. Okay, and uh, we had to change some things. So here's what I found: if you want to be an elite leader, you have to have some capacity there, just for reflection and just for like thinking through, saying, are the usual things working, and how do I be an early figure outer. I don't want to just do what someone else figured out and say, oh, we'll try that. I think yeah. a lot of people do that. And so yeah. if you want to be elite, have time in your prioritization that we talked about, yep. making sure that you're reflecting. Yep. You've got to be reflecting on what do I need to change? What do I need to do different? How can I make change and adaptation and modification part of my leadership cadence? That's what yeah. I get it from you. Okay. When, I, when,
1: when I do that skill monthly um skill based like tracking with with the reps i'm doing it with myself too and i'm and we're having this conversation openly so it's not just them doing these activities i think we should we should say that that a lot of the activities i'm asking them to do i'm doing myself so i think I'm, it's important thank you for sharing that yes yeah it's important to touch on that and then also you know to your point about uh prioritization time management and this audit of time if you look at your calendar, regardless of colors or any, any tactical things there, if there's no available time, what, how are you thinking? Like, when are you reflecting? When are you having that time? So like, You know, I know a lot of the CEOs that will talk about, you know, deliberately putting blocks on their calendar where they have that time to reflect and improve because you can look at some C-suites calendar and it's just back to back to back to back to back. Well, how are you becoming a better leader? How are you serving those around you? You know, when do you have that time? And it's foolish to think uh, that you can do both it gets yeah. back to your your comment you have to be deliberate about wanting to get better as a leader and you have to be deliberate about building your own capacity because again you can't serve those around you if you're not serving yourself
0: okay man we're out of time i can't believe how fast it went i knew this would go fast john i knew this was going to be a fun topic i love your insights so before we wrap how do people get more of you how do they learn more about path robotics how, how do they connect maybe they have questions that maybe they have like Something they're pissed off at me that I didn't ask or we didn't talk about that they want to talk about, so they reach out to you. How do our listeners get all of that stuff?
1: Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on it. Um, just LinkedIn, uh, John weiler and uh, you know, for Path Robotics, I'd say the best way is just going to Path Robotics.com. Um, next trade show that we'll be at will be FabTech. Um, I think it's in Chicago this year in September, so that's one of the big trade shows in our industry. We'll have a booth there. Um I go to a lot of the industry events, so if you see me in person from any of these videos, just walk up and and say hi i'm I'm pretty uh open to open to those conversations like I said i I love interacting with people so LinkedIn's the the quickest way to get a hold of me
0: and we'll put the link to your LinkedIn page and to your company page. We'll put all that in the show notes so you'll you'll get us that and we'll make it easy for people to find you. Listen, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, I want to, I want to, I want to summarize what my model, my John Weiler uh, capacity model is after listening to you. Um, I'm, I'm a framework builder, brother. That's one of my things I do. And, right. uh, and then I want to give you a, a, one last final thought to 50,000 sales leaders before we sign off. I know, I know we've gone long, but I, I think that people will be excited to hear your final thoughts. So here's the model. Number one is prioritize. You got to be intentional about, this is the John Weiler intentional capacity building model. Number one is prioritize. Number two is visualize. Make sure I can see if I'm doing that. So I'm not just working hard, take time to visualize the color coding and looking at how your time is spent, visualize. Number three is systemize. Build systems to make sure that I'm developing those areas that I have set our highest priority, and the last one I, is my word that I made up. It's dollarize. Make sure you take times to reflect and see if you're getting the bang for the buck in how you spend that time, and then you know reflect, reconnect, reprioritize, do it again. Prioritize, visualize, systemize, dollarize. What do you think? Is that does that capture what you talked about today? Yeah, I like it. I, I, like, I like those
1: uh, words a lot. And I think it captures the, the essence of what, what I'm trying to get across here. And I think capacity in general is just uh, one of the most important foundational pieces of who you are, not just as a sales leader, but as a human being uh, on this on this world. And, I, and I'll just add one thing here that this is a cool thing about capacity. Every single person listening has the capacity to do something great. They are capable and they they have to be willing, but, you know, something we talk about as sales leaders is you can't coach the uncoachable. Um, but if you are willing, you're open-minded and you want to lead into that potential, then you are capable. And that's something that I find fascinating about capacity is you can continue to have breakthroughs.
0: I love that. Well, you can continue to have breakthroughs. His name is John Weiler. He is helping uh, he's helping his team as they work with people all around the world, continue to have breakthroughs. And if you apply his model, you will continue to have breakthroughs with the people of all shapes and sizes on your team. Because as he said, you're only succeeding as a leader if the people on your team are growing. And John has given you a blueprint to do just that. John, thanks for giving us an hour of your time. Thanks for being so helpful to 50,000 sales leaders all around the world. And I'll finish with that way. I'll finish with everyone. Thanks for joining me, man, and happy selling.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Rob.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Q2 is in full swing, and every sales leader needs to find ways to create more impact with the people they lead. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. It's the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Creating sales leadership assets is hard. It takes a ton of time, and you always wonder if what you're building is going to work. But members of Sales Leadership United don't have to wonder because they have access to proven trainings, techniques, and leadership tactics used by some of the world's most successful leaders. With a simple search, you can find sales leadership resources, proven frameworks, modern systems, sales meeting ideas you can use immediately, and much, much more. You'll get everything ready to go and easy for you to tailor and make your own. You're going to find systems on any leadership you'll ever need that are ready to go for you to tap into at Sales Leadership United. You'll find hundreds of video segments from some of the most successful sales leaders in the world all here in one search away. You'll find Sales Leadership United on Patreon, and for less than the cost of lunch, you can have access to more sales leadership materials than you may have ever imagined. New materials are released every week, and you will never be operating on old systems as members of Sales Leadership United. So stop going after it alone. Create a community of of access to some of the greatest systems in the world And follow the link in the show notes to check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with John as much as I did. John's doing amazing work helping people create capacity in manufacturing, but he's also got this incredible perspective on the creation of capacity of leaders and salespeople. This is one of the reasons why they're having so much success. And I think the topic that we're talking about here is not one that enough sales leaders are intentional about. And I'm talking about capacity. I think capacity is the dry powder that allows a leader to fuel growth. If we're stretched so thin that all we can do is fight fires or run from meeting to meeting or just respond to the next person online, then we're never going to be strategic leaders. All we're ever going to be is a tactical leader. And while we will be helpful to others, we never will fuel growth in strategic ways. We're just going to be the hard workers that will have that Herculean effort, but never really become or never really evolve or never really advance. And that's why capacity is so important. It is what gives you the fuel for growth and development. And. I think it's important that we need to remember that we've got to be more than just a firefighter. We've got to be more than just this glorified drive-through window attendant that takes the next car in line. So that means you got to prioritize how we create capacity. Now, John shared a few ways. This is a really great episode, and I hope you took notes. I hope you go back and listen to this. If you lead leaders, I would suggest you talk about this with your leaders. Here's a few of the things John suggested. We got to prioritize differently. We got to visualize differently, and we're talking about calendaring, right? We got to systemize differently. We got to make sure that we are adding systems to this rather than just you know work hard and hope. And we need to measure or dollarize differently. But what I haven't stopped thinking about is the simple fact of just being intentional. I don't care if it's the prioritization or the calendaring visualization or the systemization or the measurement, the dollarization. we got to be intentional. I don't care which part you pick. I, I'd advise picking all four. I've i I've actually turned this into a training that I'm dumping into Sales Leadership United and I've used with several of my other leaders that I coach. I think this is a big deal. Um From a leadership perspective, accidental anything means that the best you probably can hope for is likely going to be average. Average and then fill in the blank. This is really important. That means average consistency, average competency, average culture, average clarity, average commitment, average connection, average all of it. You get the idea. They're just... You know, the cool thing about this is there's not that many places to work on capacity. So you can get after this pretty quick. And while it's not that difficult, you do need to be intentional. So my suggestion to you all, if you've been willing to listen to this episode, then you should be willing to be intentional about how you personally create capacity. Because if you feel like you're really stretched thin and you're really just being reactive, which a lot of people tell me this, then you probably need to emphasize your capacity game. Because this is the only way you're going to be seen and perceived and and actually become that strategic leader. One who creates strong vision, one who creates intentional growth and development of the people they lead, and one who shines the light on a well-lit pathway to success, even if it's foggy out there. So this is a really important topic right now. I want you to ask yourself, what's your capacity like? I think this is something every single leader needs to be intentional about measure and work on because our world changes fast. And that means we've got to be able to do the same thing as leaders. And if we don't have capacity, we will not be able to. I'd start with John's recommendations and then I'd add four or five things. Here's a couple. Number one, first, be intentional about raising your leadership game. I keep saying the word intentional. Be intentional about where you can improve. What's the basis of your leadership philosophy? That's a really good thing. Like a lot of people I talk to, they don't, have a clear basis of their leadership philosophy. What are the elements you build off of and how do you improve them? This is something that every elite leader I know has in common. They are very intentional about their leadership craft and they do not leave that to an accident because they can't afford for it to be average. Second, gain confidence in saying no or not now. Too many leaders say yes to everything. It's a huge mistake And while it can be fixed fairly quickly, it takes intentionality and discipline to do it. Third, you need to become a better coach. Most sales leaders are never trained on what it means to be a coach. Coaching is about improving. It's not about fixing. It's about growth, not grind. It's about igniting something that was not switched on before. You've got to be able to do this with every member of your team, regardless of their tenure and regardless of their production level. This is not about only helping people who aren't producing and leaving the other people alone. Coaching is about helping people choose growth and continue to improve, and coaching will make it so you have more capacity as the members of your team end up having more capacity in their work and need you for less tactical help. Fourth, become a better delegator. Delegating is part of the the game for us as leaders that we don't talk about enough One of my favorite ways to use delegation, though, is as part of the development process of the people on your team. If you could use delegation as part of the development of people, that's a super smart move. And and it's a way of people not feeling like they got dumped on. It's a way for people feeling like they get opportunity and invested in. I don't see it happening enough, and I would encourage you to try it. And that leads me to the fifth one. I'd add reflection to your weekly routine. I've found that reflection forces me to think things through differently. You'll build capacity much more intentionally if you have a reflection process. When I do it, I ask myself three questions. Number one is, what did I accomplish? you got to be good to yourself because we're often hard on ourselves. Number two, what did I learn? And then number three, what do I need to change? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to to, to do differently or develop? Because I use this reflection time to look at Trajectory. To me, trajectory is more important than the actual moment in time. It's a metric that I don't think people look at. We can use trajectory in every part of what we do with people. And I look at that reflective time to evaluate where my my team's trajectory is and where my impact as a leader is from a trajectory perspective. If you want to get more of that, hit me up because I would love to talk trajectory with you. So I hope this episode prompts you to press pause. I hope that when you do press pause, you consider how you can increase your capacity and the capacity of the members of your team because leaders that get this right accomplish so much more and they impact careers of people that they lead so much more significantly. So create impact, be intentional, and you'll be shocked at just how much you are able to influence this. So, John, thank you so much for joining me. Congrats on your success. And to our listeners, connect to John. Follow his work and his insights. You're going to be glad you did. Reach out to him. You're going to find him to be an awesome resource and connection. We've put some links in the show notes, and I hope you'll use those to to make John one of the people that are, are someone that you follow as well. And then be sure to check out Sales Leadership United to get the video segments of my highlights on the conversation with John. I'll have several uh, clips there that will be huge leadership resources to you. And, And you'll find resources of videos with so many other leaders about all these topics that matter so much right now. And finally, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you ever give is to share the show with those you work with. So please keep sharing. Introduce your colleagues and people you work with to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon, check it out. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for supporting the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life changing years for the people we lead. If you liked this message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it this week because life is short. We've got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize what you do today, be elite, live strong, and chase your passions, and do your best work so you can do- live your best life. You've got this, and I've got you. Have a terrific week. Don't worry. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jeppg.com. That's rob at j-e-p-p-g And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner,